Welcome to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Putnam, and we're talking to men who, in the face of every adversity, have chosen to take destiny by the balls and create a legacy all of their own. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Putnam, and I'm joined today by Ian Smith, co-owner of the Atlas Gym in Belmar, New Jersey. For those of you who have been living under a rock and have no idea what that is, it is the one gym in the entire state of New Jersey that told Governor Murphy to eat a dick. We're not going to close. They've amassed over $1.2 million in fines, daily state official visits, and all they keep doing is saying, have a nice day, but uh, we're busy pumping iron. So you're going to have to step aside. <laughs> so, Ian, awesome to have you on the show, brother. What's up, brother? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. I saw your story a long time ago, it seems. You know, it's been almost a year. You know, right before we started recording, you said it was like eight months since this whole thing began. Yeah, and yeah. We, we opened back in May. So it's it's eight May, May 16th, actually. So it's been eight months and two days or whatever it is. Yeah. So I remember, I think the first time, it may have been the second time that I saw what was going on there. It was when they had like the huge crowd of people. It was the second time I I had heard of you. It was a huge crowd of people out there and the cops had showed up and they had the, the bullhorn and they were like, I just want you to know that you're all in violation but that said, have a good day. And then they just fucked off and left and everybody was cheering. That was the second time that I'd seen. It. I think I saw a clip on Twitter. It might've been shared by, I don't know, Fox news, CNN, something, but I was just sitting there. I was like, fuck yes. You know, <laughs> we had, uh, that was actually the first day that we, that we reopened. So we had, we had had media attention beforehand because, uh, Long story short, we 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 presented a public plan to reopen. Like when we reopened, we didn't just open the doors. You know, there was a lot of thought and consideration that went into uh, a workable plan for small businesses, not just gyms, but any any small business in the country to be able to respect the fact that we had, you know, at the time what we thought was a global pandemic. You know, you could you could definitely put a strong argument against that at this point, but. Um, at the time, you know, we were like, okay, you know, you, you said two weeks, it's now two months, and you're just telling us to be patient. You're not giving us any workable timeline. There was no help, like they said there was going to be. So we said, all right, we'll put together our own plan. And and my business partner is, is definitely the brains of the operation, um, much more scientific minded. But, you know, we had spent every day up until then researching the coronavirus, how it was spread, um, what was the deal with asymptomatic people. Um, things we could do to stop, you know, to, to ensure our, the safety of our customers. So we were just reading and reading, reading. And, and at the same time, we were following along with all the politicians. What were they saying? And that, at about seven weeks in, Frank looked at me and he said, I want to open. Um, he said, they're not going to open us until the end of the summer. And unfortunately, Frank has been right about every single thing he said. I wish he wasn't because he's usually talking about bad shit. Um, but he said, they're not going to open us. He said, this is political. And I, I couldn't I couldn't not agree with them based on what we had seen. So we put a video out uh, of myself sitting here at the desk and, and I sat down and I, I it was kind of like a who, what, where and why, you know, why we were choosing to reopen, what we were going to do, how we were going to keep people safe, how we were going to execute that. Um, and that at the time, you know, compared to to my social media now that kind of went viral for where I was at. And it caught the attention of a local radio show guy here in Philadelphia um and the next day i went on and we talked and then that night tucker carlson called and he said can can you get to a studio a studio in philly by eight o'clock i want i want you know are you going to open i said yeah he said well let's let's talk about it then so that's where it started that's probably the first clip and then a week later we reopened so the scene where the chief of police here in belmar came up to us and you know said you're all in formally in violation on that note have a nice day uh, we had thought we won. <laughs> we we were like, yes, we did it. Um, but that was very that was actually very short lived. Um, Fifteen minutes later, Governor Murphy had the Attorney General call the county sheriff here in Camden County 
Um, and they called the Belmar Police Department and said that Governor Murphy was going to furlough the entire police department for 60 days and bring the county sheriffs in if they did not interact. So about 15 minutes after that, we got our first citation. And then that kind of kicked off the, the shit storm that we've been in um, going head to head with Governor Murphy and the New Jersey state government for the past eight months now. I got to say, I am not surprised that they would try to put the screws to law enforcement They've done um, it every step of the way, and I, th- I think it's I think it's absolutely despicable how yeah. what they've done to law enforcement and the career and, and the people that want to help their communities are now really in, in in bad positions all around the country. It's terrible. Yeah, we were uh, we're fortunate here where I live in South Carolina. You know, as you know, uh, sheriff is an elected official. The governor can't say jack shit to him. I mean, he can, but. He can just tell them to piss off. And luckily here we have had, we have a sheriff that's been a sheriff here for probably 25 years. He was sheriff when I was a kid. Right. But uh, they said that he's not going to enforce any kind of local mandates because our, our lockdown lasted two weeks and the people of South Carolina, you know, being not only just being the first people to secede from the union before the American civil war started, we were the first state to say, all right, fuck it. We're out of here. Um, we have a history of not liking being told what to do. So after about 10 days of the proposed two week shutdown, everybody just said, fuck it started going everywhere. If they owned a business, they opened it. You know, the cigar shop that I go to, they just closed the blinds and just kept the business open. They just closed the blinds. And so, and they, they put a sign on the door and said, uh, for the safety of our customers, the lounge area is closed and uh, please make your purchase and leave or call in order ahead if possible. Well, I showed up there to pick up some pipe tobacco because as you know, I'm a big pipe smoker, right? Mm-hmm. I walk in the door and there's like 35 dudes just sitting <laughs> on the couch. Right? Every single one of them is a senior citizen, right? Because the majority of them there are old widowers or old bachelors or divorcees. Yeah. They just want to get the hell away, you know, and have like the barbershop kind of feel, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like every single person, like every single person in this cigar shop right now is literally who is being told are the most at risk and they don't give a shit. So, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to them, having a cigar, we're passing around a bottle of scotch. Everybody's pouring a little bit. And the entire time we're sitting there, we're watching. And we can see that the barbershop that was like two spaces down was having people park at the dollar store on the other side of the parking lot and then sprint across the parking lot, you know, to come in and get their haircut. So they, they, everybody was doing it already. Right. But after about 10 days, the blinds opened, the signs came off the doors, no one cared. And it's been the same. It's been it's been the same ever since. No one has ever done anything. The signs on the doors here, you know, when all the stores about, you know, masks are required, went into the vitamin shop yesterday to pick up some more krill oil. And uh, I walked in without a mask. Lady at the desk in a mask looked dead at me and said, oh, good morning. How are you? That Nobody really gives a shit, man. So it's nice to see that there's a lot of people uh, like that that are willing to push back in places like New Jersey as well. It's, it is, but, but the, the scary part is, is that we're almost living in two different worlds. Um, you know, there's not a lot, there's a good number of people who are frustrated with it in Jersey. There's not a, there's not a lot of people who say, who openly say, fuck this. No. You know, um, and I, that's something I, I not, not get in arguments with, but, you know, people, I've become this, um, this kind of person that people ask a lot of questions about, you know, they, they'll say, Hey, how do I, how do I not wear a mask in the store? And it's like, you know, I, I just want to fucking bring your neck. What do you mean? You don't fucking wear one. Um, don't don't put like, it well, on. Yeah, exactly. Don't have a mask in general. Don't own one. Um, and when they say, put on a mask, say, no, thank you. Um, so there, there's a lot of people who, who don't agree with it, but it's very, very alarming how many people just go along with it um, because they feel like they might get in trouble or they don't want the confrontation. 
Um, or they, you know, they just, they're, they're saying, oh, it's easier. I'll just, I'll put it on and I'll just wear it under my nose. You know, I hear a lot of people just, oh, I, I just, I put it here. And it's like, no, well, if you're, if you're resisting and you're really, you're really standing up for yourself in whatever way. And it, and it's, it's, it's so stupid that the mask has become this symbol in a lot of areas of like free men. Oh, um, mask is a religion now. Yeah. And it, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, how something so stupid could, could be such a d- divisive is- issue and such a controlling issue for people. You know, the majority of people don't want to be wearing masks, but they're doing it in these areas like New Jersey, California, New York, um, just because they're afraid to take a stand. And it's, it sounds so stupid to take a stand over a mask. Like it really does. <laughs> but the fact that it came down to that kind of lets you know uh, where we have arrived as a people, right? No, that's, that's the scary part right there. You said it perfectly. You know, something that, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book right now, and the working title is um, Empire, the Exodus of Man. I like it already. <laughs> one of the one of the themes one of the themes in there is I talk about and this pisses a lot of people off. You know, I'm a veteran. My son just joined the army last Monday. Uh, my father was a veteran, and I'm all for, you know, proud to be an American. You know, this is my Second Amendment, First Amendment. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, the Bill of Rights. Uh, you know, the Declaration. I've got the Declaration of Independence right here above my laptop right now, but when those guys gathered up in the middle of the night in secret and drafted the declaration of independence, they were a ragtag miniature band of rebels, right? There wasn't a whole lot of them and they were actually going against an entire empire. Yeah. So, and it makes it makes it makes you draw the parallel too, not to not to cut you off, but it makes you draw the parallel too as to why they want all these bars closed and why they want all these churches closed and why they want all these places where people congregate closed. You know, exactly. Big box is allowed to be open. You can spend and you can comply, but you can't socialize and talk about your frustrations with other citizens unless That's exactly it's over, it. unless it's over the internet where they can where they can hear you and they can see you. Uh, and unless it's you know, you can't share information among each other unless you're posting it on social media, which obviously they have a, a heavy hand with censorship these days. So, Exactly. And while America, it was built on tribalism and us versus them. Now, you know, a tribe only functions when it's small because everybody has a common cause they can rally behind. So by closing these churches, by closing these bars, by closing these small businesses and barbershops where people can gather together and organize in any kind of way, whether it be organized for a protest, for, you know, just a vigil, whatever. Anything just to discuss ideas, just to discuss ideas that's now frowned upon. Because the only thing that is allowed now is unquestionable and undying loyalty to the empire. Problem is, the empire doesn't give a shit about you. They just want you to be quiet and behave. We left one empire only to just fall under another one, right? And we've allowed it to grow under our nose, actually. And we've grown too large. We've grown too large because now people can't get behind anything in common. No yeah, one has well that, a common cause. And so now you have what is, and you've seen it for since the past, what is it now? Five, six years, uh, intersectionality and identity politics and everything taken over. We're, we're splitting up into small miniature tribes that are breaking off like little splinter cells and they're just eating at each other. And yeah, the empires play in the, the role of mommy and daddy. Yeah, you see the divisiveness um amongst each other where it's it only seems to be getting worse you know it's we're 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 identifying with less of we're we're identifying less as americans um and more as different types of americans exactly and and it's usually it usually falls along our 
our, our political ideology being one of it, but it's, it's really our, 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 our life ideology. You know, we're, you have people like, um, like libertarians or, you know, even if it's not a political thing, it, it's, you know, you're, we're splintering off into groups who are saying, I work hard. I want you to leave me alone. You know, I want you to respect X, Y, and Z, and I don't want to deal with your bullshit, you know? And it's like, and then you have this other group of people who have turned into these, you know, I, I call them the useful idiots. They're, they're, they're the useful idiots of the empire. They think the empire solves all problems, that the empire is never wrong, um, that it always wishes the best for you. Um, and and they're, they're, like a, uh, they're like a woke zombie mob. Um, and, and all they want to do is mind your business. Um, yep. While expecting you to care for everyone, but no one in particular too much, meaning you can't yeah. choose sides and you can't have your own, your own people, That's, you know, you can't align too much with, or, you know, where any group of men or any group of anyone. Only certain types, only, only certain types. And um, I'm, I'm quite sure because it sounds familiar that you've read that Jack Donovan. Um, and, you know, he talks in, in detail about that how you know uh there's only um there's these pre-selected identities that are okay but you can't identify as as certain things that are threatening to the people in power you know what i mean they they want you to forget your heritage and if you respect your heritage and if you want to keep your heritage you know and that's that's fine as as a man you know say i'm 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 of british descent i'm actually a first generation Right. So, you know, but if, if, if as a man in the modern world, I say I want to marry an Anglo-Saxon woman, you know, and I, I, I don't want any other woman and I want my kids to be Anglo-Saxon because I want to pass down the bloodline that was passed to me. That's a personal preference. There's nothing bad about that. There's nothing inherently right or wrong about that. But if I say that publicly, I'm a racist. You know what I mean? But that the same doesn't apply for other people you know certain certain people you know if you were if you were say an asian american and, and and you were you were open about that that would be fine that would be that would be considered normal and and now there's there's a large group of us and and, and especially in the way of of, of males and of, of powerful groups of males where we're expected like you said we have to be responsible for everybody but we're not even allowed to be responsible for ourselves. We, we owe our time, our energy, our care, our, our, you know, our commitment to all these people we don't know about. And, and COVID is, a, is just a perfect example of it. You know, in 2019 or anytime before then, if you went to the grocery store with a fucking sniffle, you didn't have this guilt associated with you that 14 people down the line, somebody could catch your cold and develop pneumonia and die. But now that's, you're responsible for everybody. You know, you have a sniffle, oh, stay home. You're not allowed to do anything. Wear a mask over your face, get vaccinated. You have to do this, you have to do that. And it's not even for your own health. It's for everybody else's. Um, yeah, and, and you're not allowed incredible. to say that you don't care about everyone else. <laughs> I don't. You know, it's, I don't either. And I said that <laughs> earlier, I don't have the capacity to care about everyone. I've got my own people that I worry about. I've got my own loved ones, my own friends, my own family, people that align with me on a level of it's deeper than politics, but of just a North star, a values in a North star, you know, a moral compass that we share. I don't have time to care about some social injustice or crime committed against someone that I'll never heard of and will never meet because in the instant that I hear about them, yeah, I can express empathy, but I can't give away any type of real energy of caring because you only have a limited amount you can love and you have a limited amount you can carry. You can't take that away from the ones you are obligated to, to give some kind of superficial type of caring and concern for a complete stranger. And that's and and the interesting part of that is not even not even is it do I not care about these people because I care about I care about people in general I, I consider myself in general a pretty, yes a, a, a pretty I consider myself a pretty nice guy you know if I can help somebody 
I'm the I'm the kind of kind of person who, if there's a car broke down on the on the highway, I'm I'm gonna pull over and I'm just gonna holler at him. Hey, you need some help? You good? You need to use a cell phone? Can I can I you know can I pull up behind you to make sure you know traffic's not flying at you? I'll do that for anybody. You know what I mean? If I have the time in my day and you know whatever. So it's not about not caring, but they expect you to care for the stranger halfway across the world or halfway across the country just as much as you care about your own children or your own wife or your own mother. And if you dare say, I don't give a shit about that because I have stuff right here that I need to handle, then you're, you're a bad guy. You're a bad, you're a bad person. You know, then, um, then you're, you're, you're selfish and, and so on. And you're a grandma killer. You're, you're, you're a grandma killer. You know, but in reality, um, you're just, you're just operating the way you're designed to as a human. We're not designed to think about a million people. We, you can't even conceptualize these numbers in your mind. Conceptualize you caring about 7 billion people or 8 billion people. You can't even, most people can't even rattle off a hundred names, you know, and seriously. And it, it's, it's absurd, but they've, they, they've got this idea latched into people's minds where it's, it's, it's associated with this guilt and this public shaming. Um, and they, they, they just blow the war horn through the entertainment industry, you know, through the media. And, and I, I say, I say this all the time, you know, to, to people, if, if there wasn't a fucking death counter on, on CNN, would you care about COVID? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't the numbers look scary, right? You wouldn't even know about it. You wouldn't, no, the, you wouldn't even know about it. No, the numbers look scary, but. In reality, they're still just numbers. And the only reason that people are care about them is like what you said. They are guilted and shamed and are told that if they don't care about the stranger 3,000 miles away as much as they care about their children and wife and grandmother, then they're just not good people. And that couldn't couldn't be further from the truth. Right. I mean, I would argue expected the exact to, opposite. Oh, of course, you're expected to belong to everyone while that makes you belong to no one. Yeah, it well, it waters down what you're capable of uh, because right. it, it it bogs you down with issues that you can't solve. Um, you know, global warming is an issue. Like, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Do you want to do you want to hoot and holler about it, or do you want to work on your home life? Teach your yeah, kids do your part. Teach your ex- do your part exactly. Teach your kids instill values into them, not to be wasteful. You know, not to do this, not to do that. We we learned that at an early age. You know, it used to drive me crazy, but my mom used to make us rinse off every every can lid and everything because that's what you were supposed to do. To make sure the recycling didn't have any food on it we used to tear labels off of it and it used to drive me nuts but it taught me that we were doing something important and we were doing our part and we didn't worry about it the neighbors were doing it <laughs> we didn't we didn't tattle on the neighbors well you're not going to go and shame the neighbors, the neighbors because they yeah, don't have a compost pile <laughs> exactly no we had a compost pile too and i it used to drive me nuts and 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 my, i used to think my mom was crazy you know what i mean because nobody else's mom made them do shit like that but now I look back and I'm like, man, she she got it early on. Like she she knew what it was. You know, you 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 do you 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 put most of your energy in your inner circle, you know, and then the energy that you have left is, is reserved for that next ring of that circle. You know, you, you you focus on your family and your best and closest friends first, and you make sure they're good. And then with that energy that you have left, you, you focus that a little bit outside the community, your local, your local area, your town, you know, your county, whatever it is, however you can help the local community. And then if you got some left, then you can worry about the rest of the fucking empire, you know, but it's, it's the other way around now where all your energy goes to the outer ring first. And then if you got some left at the end of the day for your kids, then, then you can give it to them, you know, but yeah. in the meantime, don't worry because your kids will be on a screen. You know, and, and that's that's the design right there. Don't you worry about don't you worry about them. You need to worry about everybody else. Just just stick them in front of a screen and, and they'll be OK or send them send them to school and they'll be OK. Yeah. Send them to the, the state mandated babysitters. <laughs> exactly. State yeah, state mandated propagandists at this point, I would say. Oh, so shifting back a little bit. It was 15 minutes after you thought you won. And they showed up and said, 
hey, we have to cite you for being open. For violation of a governor's orders, which is this archaic statute from like 1890 or something like that. Right. So how has it gone? You, the, I think uh, you and I spoke previously before uh, we, when we were scheduling this. You had said you've gotten daily visits. So I'll, how I'll, I'll give you, those I'll go give you the down? rundown. I'll give you the rundown. So Monday we opened. We, we had our little chat where we thought we won. And then 15 minutes later, they came back with some citations. We said, cool, have a nice day. We smiled for the cameras, took some pictures, said, fuck off, and, and right back to work. Um, Tuesday, we did the same thing. We opened, and this time, they gave us tickets, smiled for the cameras, gave a thumbs up, and then they started going after our customers. So they were following people to their cars, harassing them, asking their name, what their business was there. Because we, 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 we still have our windows closed. Um, we got brown paper all over our windows and we keep it, we keep it now because it's more normal in here than it is outside. Um, but originally it was so people couldn't see him. So they were following people to their car. They were writing them citations. One guy got arrested for refusing to get his name. Um, Wednesday, the media was having a field day with them doing that. So they set up a camera, one of those eye in the sky parking lot cameras that they, you know, they it's up on like the, the pole. Yeah. I've seen um, those. And they were, they were following people out of the parking lot um, and pulling them over down the road and giving them more citations. So we got that taken down because it is private property and they did not ask permission to do so. The police captain wasn't very happy. Uh, excuse me, the second lieutenant, because the captain didn't get, he was the one who didn't give a shit um, and didn't give a shit until the day he retired. Second lieutenant is the is the bootlicker politician who you know who wants to work his way up the chain. So he's he'll he'll yes daddy Governor Murphy all the way until he gets his position. Um, so he wasn't too happy with that. We went about our business, and on Thursday in the middle of the night, um, or excuse me, in the middle of the morning at about two a.m., the health department rolled up in a white van and slapped a closure notice on our door with a four-page paper that basically said you're closed because coronavirus. Um, so on Thursday, we actually didn't reopen because Frank and I made ourselves a promise. So we're not going to do anything that would jeopardize our families. Um, and we're, we're not doing this to be criminals. We're doing this because we know this is the right thing, you know, for not only our business, but for, for, for the citizens of the United States, the citizens of New Jersey, this was wrong on so many levels. So we studied the health department shutdown. We talked to our lawyers that day and they said, listen, this health department shutdown is bogus. Like there's, there's no due process. There's nothing in here that says why. It just basically said because coronavirus. So Friday we reopened. We had a nice, just regular day. Cops didn't bother us. By this time, they've just been mailing citations every day. Um, and they continue to mail them. Not every day, every couple of days, but we have 80 altogether. We have uh, 80 criminal and municipal summons between the two of us. Um, so Friday we had a good day. And at the end of the day, we were closing up. We had both gone home and our lawyers called us and said, governor Murphy took the health department shutdown to a judge, um, and had him sign a court order for them to mandate your, your locks be changed. And they, they came in the middle of the night and locked our doors on us. So they, they bust, they busted the locks. They changed the locks on us. And, um, so at that point, um, you know, we said, all right, you know, we made our stand. We, we did what we wanted to do and we wanted to get into the courts. We wanted to fight this in the, uh, in the judicial system. So we said, all right, we'll back off. You know, we'll stay closed in the meantime until we get our day in court. Um, that day never came. Um, one week went by, two weeks went by. We filed a lawsuit against Governor Murphy and Judith Purse Kelly of the health department. Um, you know, it was postponed. Uh, they didn't, they couldn't have it because of zoom. Um, they were going back and forth and, and eventually, um, Frank and I, we said, fuck it. You know, so we, uh, yeah, we lost you there, lost you there for a quick second. Looked like, uh, okay. the internet shifted out. So I'll add this out. They get back to, they mandated your locks, locks be changed. Change. They busted okay. the locks. Gotcha. So they, they mandated that our locks be changed. So they came and they, they broke our locks and physically changed them. So at that point, Frank and I backed off. Um, we said, okay, we, we made our stand. We made our statement. We, we had our protest. 
Uh, the executive branch of government is out of control. We're going to turn it over to the, to, the, to the judicial system, you know, because that's the idea. That's the checks and balances that we have in place. That's why we have three branches of government. Um, <clears throat> so we said, all right, we're, we'll take it to court. Let's go, you know. And we filed a federal lawsuit against Governor Murphy and Judith Persichelli, the health department. And in the meantime, we said, all right, we'll stay closed until we have our day in court. Um, that day never came. One week turned into two, two, two quickly turned into three. It was getting postponed. They were saying, oh, our, our Zoom is down. Um, every excuse in the book. So, um, you, you know, we said, fuck it. So we, we went back in, we picked the locks uh, and we went back in and reopened. Um, and we started taking our stuff outside because we wanted to try to let the, you know, we, we still had a little bit of faith left in the, in the judicial system at that point. So we were moving about 40,000 pounds worth of equipment, uh, weights, barbells, plate-loaded machines, benches, squat racks, everything. We were moving it out in this parking lot in the middle of June. We were having about 300 to 500 people a day show up every day to come work out in the heat right on the blacktop. Um, and it sucked, but, you know, we were like, all right, you know, it is what it is. We'll, we'll do this for now. Um, so that day in court never came. They, uh, they actually abstained from the case on the federal level um, until we resolved our criminal issues in the state of New Jersey. So Governor Murphy basically set up a nifty little roadblock that gave the judge the ability to say, I don't want to hear this until these, these criminal and municipal charges are handled, knowing full well that that would take up to a year. So it was, it was a loophole that they used. Uh, so at that point, you know, we said, all right, fuck you. Um, that was July 4th. We said no better day to get arrested than Independence Day. So we opened up back inside. Um, yes. we had a hell of a day. We had, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. We had a hell of a day inside because people showed up to the parking lot and they were like, just looking around like, uh, and then they would pop open the door and see everybody inside. They're like, yes, we're back inside. You know, cause it was hot middle, middle of summer, not the best conditions to work out, especially some of our older members. You know, we have a, we have a very, uh, we're a ragtag bunch here at Attilus. We have, you know, we got high school kids all the way up to, we have an 85 year old woman who comes and works out here um, every morning at 5 a.m. So we're, we're a diverse bunch. Um, so they never came, but about 20 days later on July 24th, they issued a contempt of court order um, for us violating the court order. And that really started where, where things started to ratchet up. We were found guilty um amazingly governor murphy can get a court date the same day or the next day you know meanwhile you know we can't get one to save our lives so uh we were found guilty of contempt of court and they said that they were going to come and change our locks on us again um and they were going to start issuing a daily fine <laughs> Hey, this is Nate from Unlimited Live Concepts, and we teach people how cash flow strategy can be just as powerful as investing. Imagine being able to earn interest off of every dollar that flows through your hands, whether you're spending it or saving it. We offer a lifetime membership to our financial education platform for $77, but right now you can use promo code RUGGEDLEGACY and save 50% off. So we were sitting there kind of talking and I, I forget how the idea came up, but somebody said it jokingly um, when we were talking about that, they were going to come lock the doors again. They were like, dude, just take the doors off the fucking hinges. Um, like, what are they going to do? There's no doors to lock. So <laughs> it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was one of those things where like you laugh, like I was like laughing about it. And then I stopped and I was like, wait a second. Like, that's a good fucking idea. So off the doors came. Um, and at that point, Frank and I started sleeping at the gym. Um, we opened the gym for 24 hours, seven days a week. One of us would be awake at all times. We were taking turns sleeping in a tanning bed and then the, in the supply closet. Um, and we did that for about six days. Um, and then they came and arrested us at like 5 a.m. in the morning. And um, they did it when they thought nobody was there. But we have, there's a woman who's actually writing a book on this and she's been with us the whole time for documenting it all and nice. she's here so we were able to catch it on camera which has been our that's been our plan this whole time we knew we were going to take punches we knew we were going to get you know the government was going to come at us with everything they had um and we were okay with that as long as we can show the world you know like i'll take all the punches i have to, to show show the world what the government will do 
if you if you cross them and how how they're not acting in your best interest they're acting in their own best interest um so uh we got arrested we came back just a couple hours later to boarded up doors they had they did this flimsy shit job of a of a plywood board up um and we took took like two days off just to kind of recuperate um and then we called i called tucker up and i called pete hegseth up and i called all these media contacts that we had developed up and i said i'm going to have a nice video for you guys um and it's going to be what i think about governor murphy shutting us down and we uh we had the local media here and a bunch of photographers and a big crowd of people in the parking lot waiting for us to open and Frank and I ceremoniously kicked the door down, uh, you know, like Leonidas in 300. We had our, it was, it was actually a really enjoyable moment. Um, one kick went straight through the plywood. We turned the music on, turned the lights back on, opened back up um, and left the doors off the hinges and resumed camping inside for another 30 some days. Uh, we were found in con contempt of court again. And this time they were coming to build a steel barricade um, that's actually the, the language they were going to uh, build a steel barricade. And we actually had welders on standby who were going to come and just fucking torch the thing. Um, but we were, kind of <laughs> really positive. yeah, it, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's telling the story is funny because it's like, you can't make the shit up. Um, uh, you're giving me a freedom boner over here, Ian. It, I mean, it, dude, it feels good. As tough as it is. I can't, I can't say you gave me a, if you give me a thousand times to do this over, I would do the exact same fucking thing every time. Um, Hell yes. If only, the only thing I, I may do is just get more uh, in the government's face earlier on. You know, we, we really did try to compromise. Um, and I can, I can say that with a pure heart and say that we didn't set out to be renegades. We didn't set out to piss out, piss off the government, but you know, you can only ask for so long. You can only say, please, Mr. Politician, please respect my rights. Please, Mr. Politician, let me open my business. Please, Mr. Politician, um, give me more than a $600 stimulus check. Please, Mr. Politician, don't send all that money overseas. Um, you know, they tell you, use your voice, vote, you know, all that. And that's all well and good. But when that when that's not working, you know, action is the only thing that's left. Um, and, and I wouldn't change a thing we did. So at that point, we joined forces with a guy named Rick Maida who was running for Senate here in New Jersey against Cory Booker. And um, Rick Maida came to us and said, I got a plan. He said, we're going to make Attila's gym a volunteer and rally location for my campaign because the executive order states that all political actions and, and events are outside of the EO and cannot be, you know, subject to closures and stuff like that. So, you know, they were playing dirty and we had an opportunity to play dirty too. So we said, all right, man, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess we support you for Senate now. Um, yeah, he's a Republican. He's, you know, he's, uh, he's a decent guy. Um, never had any issues with him. Um, did not win his race, but he allowed us to stay open. Um, and he got a very big boost in popularity for, for doing that because it was a way to keep us open and they couldn't come lock our doors and we were able to resume somewhat of a normal life and go home. Um, and ever since we've been open, we get fined $15,497.76 per day, every day that we open our doors. Um, once gyms were allowed to reopen, Governor Murphy sent us a letter, or, or I think actually had the Attorney General call and said that we had to have a policy in place that said we were going to respect the executive order, which mandates uh, cloth face coverings, not even masks, cloth face coverings. And we absolutely refused. We said, no. Um, he said, all right, so we're going to find you $15,497.76 per day, every day, because we're telling you you have to do that. And it's a violation of that court order. And that's where the fine stems from. So we said, no, go fuck yourself. We're not doing it. Um, and as of today, we are, uh, we are very, very far in debt. Oh, they also stripped our business license somewhere in that story. Um, no due process. They just took it. They just, they, they had this this town meeting, which was just a, you know, a, a, basically a show, um, no due process. The, the only way you can have your business license stripped is if you, if you're found guilty of committing a crime, we haven't been found guilty of anything. Um, or can't be found guilty if they won't give you a court date. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then on top of that, uh, if you can prove that we are a danger to the public, and this is an actual statement from one of the town council members that, People that were going into the dollar store next to us 
felt unsafe. The dollar store. And I mean, if you just close your eyes and picture the inside of a dollar store, how how clean and sanitary uh, one of those. And spacious is. too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They always got those little narrow aisles. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a very big guy, but I can't stand shoulder to shoulder with someone in those aisles. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so that was their reasoning for that, which is a, just an absolute joke. So, um, yeah, I mean, 80, 80 criminal and some uh, criminal and municipal charges, loss of business license. We've been arrested. We've had our doors locked. We've had our doors barricaded. Um, we've had a health department shut down. Uh, we're fined 15000 some odd dollars per day. They've tried to seize our personal assets as well. So um, they, they're trying to pierce the LLC and hold both Frank and I personally liable for these fines, even though the fines are awarded to the LLC. Um, and that's it. And as of, uh, as of Wednesday last week, they seized a total of $173,000 from our business bank account, which that money uh, does not come from sales of memberships because we haven't charged our members since April 1st when we originally suspended billing. That comes from donations from our members, um, donations from the local community, donations from around the country, and t-shirt sales. Um, and that money is strictly designated as money to A, pay our bills, um, but to pay our very expensive lawyers um, and to fight the very expensive legal battle that we're fighting on about four fronts right now. Um, so it's, a, it's just a clear violation um, of our right to counsel. And it just, every time they ratchet it up more and they do something stupider and they do something stupider and they just continue to show their true colors because not once through any of this has they, have they contacted us and say, Hey, let's sit down and talk about this. You know, let's, let's sit down and have a discussion about public health. Let's have it. Let's, let's sit down and look at your plan. That is clearly effective. We have 108,000 visits to the facility as of this morning, over 108,000. Um, and not a single outbreak has been linked. And we have, we have record of every single person who's been in here, how many times they've been in here, what day they were in here, the time they were in here, what their temperature was. We do a little temperature check at the door. You know, people, people are willing to compromise. You know, if it means protecting people's health, you know, we have spray bottles. Every single person gets their own spray bottle. We have a comprehensive safety plan that has proven to be effective. Um, and not a single case has been linked to us. And you would think that if government works for the people, that they would say, hey, let's talk. Let's figure out, let's figure out where, where we went wrong and where you guys got it right. And let's apply that to everybody, but they don't. Um, all they do is continue to ratchet, ratchet out the punishments and ratchet, ratchet up the punishments. Um, and they just expose who they are. These people, these people have forgotten that they work for the public, that, it's, that when you get elected to a position here in the United States, you are not a ruler. You are a leader and those things are very different. You know, a leader leads, a leader, a leader, a leader cares about where his people are going and what his people think of them uh, or her. Um, and they don't give a shit what you think about them. They don't fucking care. Um, all they care about is staying in power, being able to manipulate their position for their own selfish aims um, and to be the boss. And that's not, when you get elected here in the United States, you're not the boss. You know what I mean? You, 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 you exist to serve the public. And that's, that's where we've got it really, really, really backwards as a society. There's not a single thing about that statement that I can disagree with. Uh, I will say that I, the way I'm looking at it now is Governor Murphy is going to end up having to do everything he possibly can to save face after this. And Governor Murphy, if you're listening, it, and I highly doubt you are because you probably don't have good taste in entertainment. That said, if you happen across this clip, you'll probably earn more respect from your constituents if you can admit you were wrong. Yeah, and I'm pretty no, I, sure, and I'm pretty sure that both Ian and Frank would drop a lawsuit if you rescinded the fines and said you're sorry publicly, admitting your fault. Yeah, and it's uh, you're you're right. I'll, I'll I'll tell you straight up. If 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 a, I don't care who he is, if a if a man comes to me, man to man, 
and says, regardless of what has happened between us, you know what I mean? A man comes to me and says, I was wrong. And I'm man enough to admit that you're going to get, you're going to get at least some respect from me. You know I mean? We don't have to like each other. We can go our separate ways and never talk ever again. It uh, doesn't mean that we got to be buddy, buddy, but you know, I, I think that's probably one of the most um, important things a man can do is admit when he's wrong, you know, but, but, but now we're talking about men of virtue and, and clearly, clearly these politicians are not men or women of virtue. I mean, these are, these are some of the most weak and easily sort of corrupted people that I think that you could produce. They sacrificed any virtue they had on the altar of totalitarianism. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just for a couple bucks too, you know? Well, Murphy, it looks like you're going to have to go and fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So Ian, um, before we wrap up, we're getting close to that one hour mark. Just recently, uh, like you mentioned, they seized your funds. I'm glad that you've been able to uh, reacquire some of those funds and start replacing that because it pissed off everybody in the crypto community and the crypto community is coming together, setting you guys up. More donations are pouring in because every, nearly everyone in their right mind in the country or even in the world who's ever paid attention to this story at all uh, can see that the way you guys are being done is not just morally wrong, but illegal. You know, it's an infringement upon your right to counsel. So if people want to help you and Frank and the community that you guys support, how can they do it? Um, well, the first, the first thing we get, we, we, we always get asked that question. And, and the first thing I always like to say um, is that, Support is not always financial. There are a lot of people right now who are struggling, who are, you know, who are, who are dealing with similar stuff that we're dealing with. You know, Frank and I haven't taken a paycheck in freaking 10 months, um, but that's okay. And we're okay because we have, we have our families behind us. Um, so it's not always financial. Um, the biggest and easiest way to help is to share the story, share, share this podcast, um, tune in on my Instagram or my Twitter, um, or whatever social media I'm on gab. It's all the same thing. Ian Smith fitness, um, and, and, and watch the story develop and share it, you know, get involved. The biggest and and most powerful weapon that we have had through all of this is the fact that people care. Um, and not only do they care, but they care a lot. Um, and they, they, they've stuck by us through all of this, you know, I, we were, we were talking about this before we, uh, we kicked off the podcast, you know, eight months in and we still have support. And not only do we still have support, but we have stronger support than ever. And we have more support than ever. Um, so that's, that's a really simple way. And it doesn't matter, you know, if, if you're somebody who, who's not even really on social media and you, you know, and you only have a couple of followers and stuff like that. Um, you know, the, every person this gets in front of, it, it opens their eyes to what's going on. So that's, that's a huge way to help in and of itself. Um, beyond that, if, um, if you're interested in helping out, our website is theattilisgym.com and Attilis is spelled A-T-I-L-I-S, theattilisgym.com. Uh, on there, we have a merchandise shop. We have become part gym, part apparel company at this point. Um, we, uh, hey, I like the pivot, man. Hey, it's because it, it's it's and it's hilarious because it started out as like, you know, people were calling in when we first started, uh, when we like first opened. They're like, man, I love what you guys are doing. I, I'd love to buy a T-shirt at your gym. You know, you should set up an online store, you know, and, and our, our business was only eight months old when this started. You know, we bought a dumpster fire of a gym um, and then COVID came eight months in and we, we were doing really well, you know, for for a brand new business. Um, but we didn't have all the stuff set up yet. We had, we had to fix the gym before anything. So we didn't even have a website. So I set one up and, um, before that we were taking a couple orders by phone. And I, as soon as I set it up and announced that we had it, we got, we got like a thousand orders in a day. And I just remember thinking, well, fuck, we don't have a thousand (laughs) t-shirts. Um, 
So it, it's been amazing. We've said that's a good problem to have, though, brother. It is a it is a good problem to have. Um, and we just got another order of a thousand when people found out that um that they took all our money, you know, and it's it's a way for people to contribute but get something cool in return. Um, and the shirts have become like an identifier. Like if you have a if you have a a Belmar for everybody Attila shirt on, and you see somebody else's on, like you know you know you guys are on the same wavelength. Um. Actually, pretty cool story. I, I got a, a video from a, a follower on Instagram. She sent me a video and she was wearing one of the shirts and she's like, hey, you know, I just wanted to thank you for the shirt. Um, and I wanted to show you something. She said, I'm out here. I live in Northern California. I'm out here hiking. And she said, I, I met a friend and she turned the camera to the side and she was standing next to a guy who had the shirt on. Um, and, and she's like, yeah, you know, I was just walking and she's like, I just stopped to talk to him because, you know, like I knew we were probably on the same page and we just like, we've been sitting here talking for like 20 minutes. Um, so we, we, we pay our bills and we, we, we get enough money to survive through that. So that's a phenomenal way to help. Um, and the shop is right on the website. And then, uh, also on the website, there's a little button, um, right up on the top. It says donate now that takes you to our GoFundMe. Um, and all of those funds are pulled uh, right into cash and then deposited now into our crypto wallet where they will not be uh, touched by the greedy, nasty hands of Philip Murphy. I dig it. So let me ask you, I would imagine that there's a bit of a three-way split there in your community. You've got the people who are hardcore Atlas You've got the people who are car hardcore anti-Atlist, and then you've got the ones that don't give a shit. They're just trying to survive. So obviously you are a well-known individual. You and Frank both are well-known individuals in your community. <laughs> Is there, with the story you just told me and the way everything broke down, and I'm going to tell you, it it, it is folklore and legend okay the way that the story tells well they told us this so we found a loophole they told us this so we kicked the fucking door off stick stick and move that has been the plan the whole time Take i mean it, but this this battle you know especially in the age of social media and i don't i don't i'm not trying to over romanticize it but this is a David versus Goliath type battle, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just Absolutely. wondering, have you guys noticed that you've become a bit of the talk of the town everywhere you go? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's, I'm, I'm just now getting used to it. You know, um, Frank, um, Frank's been in business in the area for about 25 years. You know, so he had a, a very good reputation, which is why the gym was very successful. And I, I've been a trainer in the area for about 10 years. Um, so when we opened up, you know, we kind of opened up with a bang. Um, you know, Frank knows everybody and anybody, you know, in, in South Jersey. And, you know, I was kind of kind of the same way. And now it's just like, it, it's, it's crazy. The, the way things change where, you know, uh, eight months ago, we were just two, you know, we're still two dumb gym owners, but uh, eight months ago, we were just two dumb gym owners. You know what I mean? With a plan, with a plan to reopen that we were going to, you know, we were going to save small business. And, and now you guys um, are like local heroes because you've yeah. stuck it to the man. And look, that's inspirational, right? Because if everybody loves the underdog, I don't care who you are. If you've ever watched, you know, Rudy or Cinderella man, or warrior, right? You root for the underdog because everyone can identify with the underdog. And there's a lot of people out there in your community, in my community, in every community out there that has been affected uh, by COVID restrictions and lockdowns and political overreach that look at you guys and they find inspiration and they find strength and they go, Thank God somebody is fighting back. And they, and even inside, some of them just wish that they had someone that would fight like that for them in their community. Or maybe you, you've inspired them to start fighting back in their own community for themselves and getting more people to rally behind it. Because you start to see more and more communities open up. Just the other day, um, Italy opened 50,000 restaurants, restaurants simultaneously. Yep. It's a beautiful and, thing. It's yeah, beautiful simultaneously. Because, I mean, look, 
in America, the, uh, the, the ratio is like 5,000 civilians to one police officer, right? You can't arrest everybody. You can't outnumber everybody. And no, I'm not calling for a sedition or treason or whatever. I'm not calling for any of that. I don't want any officers to be harmed. But if they're poking their nose in places that they don't belong and they're overreaching and they're infringing on rights, if you've got a thousand cops standing in front of 50,000 people and 50,000 people say, arrest us, the cops are going to fuck off. Yeah, no, that's... I, I said that same thing. Uh, I went to Staten Island uh, for Max Public House, which was a bar that opened. And I, I gave a speech there in front of the sheriffs. And there was 10 sheriffs standing there in front, or 20 sheriffs there standing in front of the door. And I said, what happens when we all open our fucking businesses? There's not enough fucking sheriffs. There's not enough sheriffs. There's not enough handcuffs. There's not enough jail cells. There's not enough judges. It, it, and, and that's been my, my tune that I've been saying all along. And that's why we stood up was not only stand up for ourselves, but to stand up for, for everybody and to inspire the people who can fight to fight. You know, I just, I just left yesterday. I got a phone call um, and it was an, an older woman and um, her name was Donna. And Donna called and, and she, she expressed that she had seen this on the news and that she wanted to donate. Um, and she, she lives about 20 minutes away. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm a little old. It's easier if, if you just come to my house. I'd love to give you a check. I said, you know what? I said, I can do that. You're actually, you know, you're not too far from where we're at. And I went and she asked, she said, you know, you mind sitting and talking for a little while? And, and Donna is a widow um, who's uh, also her son had passed away. So we sat mm. there and we talked. We talked for about an hour. And, and it was a really cool conversation. And the one thing she said to me, she said, you don't realize how meaningful it is that you're doing what you're doing. And I was like, no, I, I do. She's like, okay. She's like, you do. She's like, but you don't understand it from my perspective. Um, and she's like, so I'm going to tell you my perspective. She said, there are those of us who cannot fight um, and wish we could. She said, I'm an old woman. She said, I'm an, I'm an old woman and there's nothing that I can do to change the world directly. She said, I, I can't get in the fight. I, she said, there's nothing, nothing that I can do. She said, I'm, I'm watching the world change in front of my eyes, and it's very scary. And she said, I won't be around for much longer. She said, you know, so it's not about me, she said, but I grew up in a very different world than what we see today. And she said, I want everybody to experience that world um, because it was a lot different, and it was a lot more American, and it was a lot more pure. And she said, it breaks my heart knowing that I can't fight. Um, and she said, there's a lot of us who can't fight. You know, she said women in general, she said, we can't fight this fight. This is a fight for men to fight. Um, and it hit me like a ton of bricks when she said it, because you could hear like the, the, the fear in her voice that the world was changing and that she couldn't do anything about it. And she said, the best thing that I can do is support you and cheer you on. She was like, so here I am. She said, the government sent me a $600 stimulus check. She said, and I kept a little bit for myself, but I want to give you the rest of it. And she said, what better way to stick it to the government than to, than to give it right back to the people that are fighting the government? And I was like, it, it was just, it was an amazing experience. So it's. Donna it's, is it's, the most epic human being I have ever awesome. heard of. Donna, I, I, like, I love you. I, it was, it was so cool. She was so genuine. You know, she's, she has no filter. She was just saying it how it is. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely awesome. You know, it's, it's something that I had to learn to get used to, to overnight kind of become this person that people look to for answers and to look to for guidance and for inspiration. Um, but it's cool because it kind of forces you to level up um, and it forces you to level up real quick and um, look at your own faults and, 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 and take a good hard look at yourself and make sure that not only you being the best person for yourself, but you're, you're, you're you're not misleading people and you're not, you're not putting bad information out there. And that it, it makes you make sure every word you say is something that you mean, you know, and it's, it, it's just, it changes things quite a bit, but it's been an interesting change. Well, not only that, you also have to make sure that you are the best person to represent your cause because Obviously, the, the, the law enforcement, uh, the government, uh, state agencies, they're all going to be looking at you to find anything they can wrong, right? Oh, yeah. They're going to look to discredit you. They're going to look to tear you down from any way you can. 
and they're going to look to attack uh, your character, your your daily activities, your your level of integrity. And if you don't have all of that on lock, and you are the ones, you and Frank are the ones who are upholding this movement and this fight right now, it's all going to come crumbling down. So you guys are actually held to a higher standard now than you were before. Absolutely correct. It's absolutely correct. And it's it's that's that's a, both a good thing and a bad thing. You know, it's a bad thing because people are minding your business, but it it, co- it comes with a lot of benefit. And, and, and that benefit has been the support that we get. People believe in us, you know, but you have to make sure you're giving them something to believe in um, and something of real value. Um, and then like I said, yeah, you got to watch it back, you know, because Governor Murphy would have a field day if I slipped up and did something stupid. You know what I mean? Um, or if I did something reckless or if he could, you know, if he could pin me with anything, it would be, um, you know, he would, he would have a field day with that. He would be able to discredit us overnight, you know, so you have to be hyper, hyper vigilant about that. But the upside is that <laughs> you just wind up being better because of it. You know, so. <laughs> no man is ever going to be satisfied with his life until he's truly tested to see what he's made of. And I know that the pressure and the amount of attention that you and Frank have gotten from all of this has been a tremendous amount of pressure. Now, that is not to discredit anything you guys have ever had to go through in your lives. But on a scale this large, where the stakes are this high, when the possibility of setting a precedent of telling the government, you work for me, bitch and getting away with it you set that precedent you open a lot of doors to right a lot of wrongs and your metal is truly being tested right now absolutely and that's that's it it's one of the most incredible uh and liberating and empowering uh, things I've ever done in my life. You know, I, 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 I by no means have I had a, uh, an easy life, but by no means have I had a hard life either. You know, I've, I've been fairly middle of the road, um, you know, but this is, this is simultaneously the, the hardest thing I've ever done, um, but it is by far the best and most important thing I've ever done too. And it's, it's just funny how those things just go hand in hand. Um, and it's it it leaves you wondering what else like well well you know they say that every man is born for a war he just doesn't know what that war is and brother i think this one's yours and <laughs> while it may not be a physical war it is a war of attrition nonetheless it's going to see who runs out of steam or gives in first and i am proud as hell of you i you know, you and I have spoken via, via text messages before, but having, you know, the opportunity to sit down and talk to a man that, because I don't believe your convictions are worth a shit unless, they, unless they're going to cost you something, right? Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what your convictions are. If they don't cost you anything, they're worthless. And I like you, that. I like that a lot. You have laid yours down, brother. And it is an honor to meet you semi-face-to-face over this video call. And for everyone listening, you can find links on how to uh, connect with Ian, on how to get to the Attila's Gym website where you can buy a t-shirt. I'm going to buy a t-shirt. Buy one yourself. Donate if you can. This fight is ongoing, and this fight is probably the most significant fight that you will ever see in terms of setting a precedent where the government has done too much with its power, and it's time to take it a step back. So, again, for those of you listening, links are in the show notes. Support, I will be supporting as well. Ian, we have ran on and on and on, and I could talk to you for hours about this because, like I said, I'm over here sporting a Freedom Woody right now, right? It's that, I'm not even holding my desk up right now, okay? This is, 
I've, I respect the shit out of anyone. I don't even give a damn if they're wrong. Anybody that will stand their ground and say, fuck you, make me, regardless of the cost, has my respect, and you have my respect. Amen. I appreciate that, man. And I appreciate you having me on today. It's always nice to talk. Maybe we'll continue it over a couple beers in person one of these days once Fuck I yeah. uh, once I stick it to Murphy for the final blow. I think we're we're getting close to the final round. This is this is a tweet you said you said David and Goliath. This is a this is a 12 round fight when you go against City Hall. It's a 12 round fight. They're gonna throw everything they can at you. You're gonna lose rounds one to eleven. You're gonna get your head punched in. You're gonna be against the ropes. But if you can stay on your feet long enough, you get to the end and it's all smoke and mirrors. And that's why they come at you like they do. So Maybe uh, maybe after the fight, I'll take a trip down to South Carolina. My girlfriend actually um, lived in South Carolina for a long time, so she would she would be excited for that. Nice, that'd be awesome, brother. All righty, all right. For those of you listening, this has been the second episode of 2021 on the Rugged Legacy Podcast, episode two of season two. Again, I'm going to reiterate it because it's important. Links to support Ian, Frank, and Attilus Jim in Balmar, New Jersey are in the show notes. Click that goddamn link. Thanks for listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. And remember, everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire.